Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. I'm Angela from the band Bug Eye and this week I'm joined with... Paula, also from the band Bug Eye. Yeah. Hello. Where are you, Paula? Well, I've escaped South London. I've gone further than Hackney this time and I'm in rainy Lincolnshire. There's no stopping you, is there? Look at you going. There is no stopping me. Jet setter? um, No. Hiker? Backpacker? Whatever. And um, today we're recording this, well, I'm recording this rather, underneath a genuine thatched roof. I'm literally in the east. There's thatch up there. There's thatch up there. Well, careful with smoking, Paula. You don't want to burn that down. <laughs> no, it's grade two listed. I'll be in deep trouble. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, I'm I'm in Croydon, as always, in my um, in my little studio room with with a nice glass of wine. So uh, I've had I've had computer stress today. My um, my Mac just has decided to just sort of shut itself down repeatedly and this really isn't interesting to anyone I know but um I just wanted to share my my pain really but we've got a special guest this week Paula we do I mean you know who who it is so I don't know why I'm saying that to you <laughs> I mean guess I, who I, it is. <laughs> I can see in the zoom screen as well okay so I'm really proud to announce um that we have Terry aka Cat5 from Feral5 and also her wonderful solo project and writer at Kit Monsters and just a whole bunch of wonderful things. She's joined us today. Hey. Hey. I am so excited to hey. be here. An honorary bug. You know <laughs> You know what? Yet again, yet again, um, saying your name picked up. Siri's just decided to chime in. So I didn't quite catch that. Could you try again? Um, so, yeah. Saying your name triggers um, Siri. Did you know that? Triggers chaos, yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, thank you for joining the show. I'm very proud to say that that Terry is, a, I consider you a friend and just a very inspirational person in music and and in life in general. I think you're, you're ace. So thank you Oh, thank you. Well, let's get the loving, you know, well and, and truly embedded because um, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly how I feel about you, honey. Um, yeah, what an inspiring bunch. Oh, well, what, what have you been up to this week? This week? Yeah. Oh, I'm working very hard on my latest track and I'm also doing a mixing course. Um, I've been doing lots of uh production courses during lockdown to up my game and so i've been doing some work on that this week and meeting some of the team at resonate uh, it's the ethical music streaming cooperative yeah. i'm involved in to make some plans for spreading the word a bit more um do you, do you see what i mean paula right so there's us like getting drunk chatting crap on a podcast <laughs> and here's terry out like just courses all all of these things that you read about of people going oh i'm gonna learn this i'm gonna do that during lockdown she's where, actually um, doing yeah. it she's one of the good ones look at that i know well i did and also tr- <laughs> i kind of i think um i think it's really unfair if people feel they're expected to do stuff but all that time going to gigs i'm not going to um yeah i have squeezed in a few things 
Yeah, no, I think I think that's you know there are there are a lot of people that have had to to work full time, I suppose, or for a whole variety of reasons, not being able to to kind of do things like courses. So I wasn't judging them; I was merely judging myself. Anyway, so we've got quite a packed show this week. We've got um, some stories to tell. I'm going to talk about um, a track, a song that was that was created in the seventies. That, that kind of was pioneering and really did change dance music forever. So um, I'll let you know who that is in a bit. And I've got some new music from Tiger Mimic. They've just released a new single and I'm going to play it. So uh, how about you, Paula? I've got eight facts about the 808, which was obviously a piece of equipment that also changed music forever. Um, I've not brought any new music along this week because I know, Terry, you've got a whole splash bag of tunes to play for us oh yeah i've got a couple of tracks of some amazing new artists and mm-hmm. i think some of mine might make an appearance too Oops. good 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 definitely oh and for those listening um if you skip back a few well, don't skip back now listen to this show but a few episodes back we featured um one of terry's tracks um butterfly wings which is absolutely ace which we will play again on the show i think we'll probably end on on that one but um but terry yeah if you want to tell us what you know tell us about some of these new artists then okay well on my current hot list is uh, billy <laughs> no mates and uh it's very exciting her first album's just out and i saw a clip of her on twitter quite a long time ago um at the hundred club and i was just absolutely kind of pinned to you know to the chair thinking what is this woman doing she's amazing and she has this uh, fantastic mixture of kind of uh of, of spoken word and really kind of good grooves and uh very um i don't know very she cuts absolutely cuts the chase she's very political and her but when i saw her she was like catapulting herself around the stage and i can't wait to see her live so i have got tickets already for a show in february which hopefully will happen um, fingers fingers crossed yeah so billy no mates fnp forgotten normal people have a good listen Upon your deals, I dig my day. 
That was Billy No Mates with FNP. I really, really love that. I've got a lot of love for that song. There's just a beautiful kind of 80s sounding synth and the the lyrics in there are just incredible. Just the way that it all sort of weaves together is just incredible. So, oh, yeah. And I, I, hadn't, I haven't really listened to Billy No Mates before, so this is definitely a new... A new one for me. Paula, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, like like you, I, to be honest, I'd not heard of Billy No Mates before. So thank you for introducing her to me. Like, I think she's great. I really like to, to see musicians that have got like a political leaning to their work. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. And ones that are just unashamed to put it out there as well. There's no trying to cover it up or sugarcoat it. It's like, this is here and it's in your face. And I, like, I really respect that in music. Yeah, me too. So where did you say she's playing in February? Uh, well, she's doing a little tour. So various dates around the country, which are already selling out. And I've got tickets to see her at the Moth Club in Hackney. Really, really cool. I think it's brilliant. And also it's very rare to be able to to do all that, to have the you know really striking political you know, mm-hmm. lyrics, but make it seem like, like a dance tune. Because I particularly picked that one because I thought it was one of her more, her more dancey ones. And I know we were going to talk about some dance classics so that's my current dance classic i reckon should we should we listen to another track while we're while we're at it coenorgasm so should we should we give that one a whirl let's go for it Thank you. 
So that was Cohen Orgasm with Another Day. Love it. Blippy dance sounds and beautiful vocals. I, you know, I'd actually really love, not that I have ever done a remix in my life, but that song makes me want to kind of just take the vocals and have a real, real good play with that. I think, I think it's beautiful the way that it is. That's not me commenting on it in that way, but I just, yeah. I just I don't know I, th- I find it quite inspiring to to hear that song I think I think there's there's lots of yeah opportunities to explore new things it's quite inspirational what how, how does it make you feel I think it's done so nicely that I'd be scared to remix it to be honest you know when you hear something you're like the way that it all just sits together is really lovely that if you start to take it apart it's like you're kind of pulling apart what makes it great if that makes sense well, no, I'm not saying about changing the song mm-hmm. as such. I'm saying as in, I think there's so many interesting bits mm-hmm. Elements within to it. it. It, I just found it inspiring that it just actually makes me want to, to play around with electronic music more. I think that's more what I was saying. Yeah. And uh, I'd be terrible at writing anything like that. So why not just go, can I, re- can I, can I have a go at remixing? I think it's a, a beautiful a track. Terrible job of your song. <laughs> But also, I think if you're inspired to to remix it, to take it into new territory, then you should go for it. And, you know, we, as Feral Five, we did a remix of um, De Furia's first track and, um, you know, made it all electronic. And it worked really well because then Tom Robinson played it and it was their kind of, you know, first intro to Tom Robinson. But I think creatively, it's great fun. I entered the St Agnes remix contest and that was just an absolute blast of twisting and turning their track into a new dimension but you know I really I really love this in lockdown I've seen I've seen this quite a bit whereas previously you didn't see so much of I mean I I know you've done you did um some work with um oh my god Sister Ray Mm. previously with one of their tracks but you don't you don't really see a lot of indie bands doing that we're going to share our track who wants to do a remix blah blah you see that in grime you see it in in other genres but it's not really been something that is common in rock music with new emerging artists in that way you're Um, right yeah but it's 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 been lovely to see like I think um oh who who was it uh Salvation Jane put their stuff out there and people done a number of remixes and they did a listening party for that as well. And I just, I I, I found it also inspiring and I think it's just a great opportunity to try something, one, probably outside your comfort zone, which which is going to make you learn and just experiment with things that perhaps you wouldn't normally experiment with. Um, Or two, just a different take on someone's song. You know, a great song's a great song. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, di- I didn't know that you you did you did that that remix, um, Terry. Oh, loads of people did that remix. There was, the, you mean the no no, no for, for the oh sorry no 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 the um the I can never pronounce their name. De Furious. The track that got yeah that's De Furious. If you listen to this, again a couple of shows ago, we played them and me and Grace were going, how do you pronounce it? And I just I'm just yeah De Furious. What I think has been really interesting lately is the way that it's coming about and the fact that people are just putting their files up on the internet and saying, anyone, do what you want. There's no sort of like, you know, collaboration between one person or another. It's a very sort of public event. And I think that's really interesting. But also, you know, the fact that the remix that Terry did, getting that on, you know, Tom Robinson's show, 
is incredible and that's what this this does as well it's kind of you know it can it can open doors for people as well and I just think it's great yeah it's it's that's kind of what it's all about I mean you know look at Primal Scream um yeah I started off I was doing a, a course and I wanted to play with it and um I couldn't work out the drums I just couldn't work out the time signature and I know De Furious and I said you know, got in touch with Vaz, said, Vaz, these drums, I just can't like work it out. And she said, oh, that's because it's like it was nine four, over four or something. Absol- absolutely crazy. And then Andy and I worked on it together after that to to take it to its um, conclusion. Well, you're certainly really proactive with, with Feral 5, with your solo stuff, with, with the, the whole remix side of things, doing a course. It's, you know, I suppose um, a question when you were a little girl, is this what you thought you would be doing? I always wanted to be in music and I always wanted to write. And I used to write, um, you know, lyrics, poems, whatever. And I remember I got sent to Sunday school when I was very little for a while. And they'd set you a challenge, you know. Um, and so I'd, they'd say, write a poem about a donkey. So I'd like write a poem about a donkey or a block of salt or something it's crazy yeah. stuff so I'm not religious but but it was a good training but it's been a bit of a kind of meander along the way but uh, yeah yeah music and words definitely that's brilliant and so where where did where did you grow up let's get a bit of backstory where are you from Ooh, we moved around an awful lot actually every couple of years so I've lived in Wales I've lived in Northumberland um, Leicestershire I spent my teenage years in Brighton which is absolutely brilliant because you know all the bands played there and I went to some spectacular gigs from about the age of 14 um, so that was my very very sort of uh, lively musical education if you like and then moved to London when I was 17 and so what, what was the first sort of instrument that you picked up then? Are you one of these people that can play like 50 different things or is it focused to...? Uh, well, the first instrument I picked up was guitar and I went to a group guitar class where they teach you some really naff songs and then eventually started playing electric guitar. So I don't claim to be fabulous at any instrument, but I'm not afraid to pick anything up. I've just... Um, I know, no guts, no glory, just really just like get stuck yeah. in. But also I spent quite a lot of time in the music tech fest community and it's a music and technology yeah. festival. And um so hanging out with the hackers or at one point I also produced it. And you realise that it's all about actually just doing it, you know. So yeah. I you know, I've made strange noises with a hand built synth and a wooden three string instrument made from recycled material. So um I'm happy to make a noise with anything, even a washing machine. You know. <laughs> so have you used a washing machine? I ha- Well, I've sampled it. I haven't actually put it in any of my tracks yet. I have a little <laughs> library of like weird noises. And, and every now and again, I'll pull something out and go, oh, that's a really good noise. Where, you know, what should I do with that one? I think Kate Bush was the first person to use um, breaking, like a sample of breaking glass in, in a song, Babushka, I think. Uh, so, you know, you could be the first to use... Although maybe someone has used a washing machine, you might not be the first, Terry. I think they're quite popular, to be honest. But the, yeah, the butterfly think, wings yeah. thing—that was quite a quite a coup. That that was very good. That was very good. That was one of the questions I had for you because I know in Blackbirds you do have a recording of a blackbird. Are, are they genuine butterfly wings? Yes, it was really weird. It was like meant to be. It was. Um, I heard this weird noise in my studio room and I thought, what's, what's going on? And there was a butterfly, I don't know how it got in, but it was trapped by the window. 
And uh, so I sort of quickly grabbed my, I've got a little recorder that I keep handy and sort of did a really quick sample and then let it free. Um, and then I just knew that I had a butterfly, you know, in my armory of samples. And then I, I pulled it out for a, for a track sometime later. But that's a great pack story as well to a song. Well, there's, mu- there's much more to that one, actually. But yes, that was a good one. John Kennedy liked it anyway. He was quite intrigued by the butterfly. So that was all right. <laughs> Well, we'll be hearing we'll be hearing butterfly wings a little bit a little bit later. Um, so this week, I thought I would seeing that I'm I'm off to the the um, it's not called the Craftwork Exhibition, but I keep calling it that. It's the one at the Design Museum that's like kind of about electronic music. So I'm off to that on Friday. Oh, I'm dying to go to that. It looks it looks so good. Paul Tipler, um, Paul Tipler's the the guy who produced Bug Eyes. Um, album he he went to that i think about a week ago and uh saw all his pictures and i just thought i can't wait so uh me and julia are off to that this this coming friday but so i thought um rather than doing craft work because we've already had a kind of um you know goddess in the tv bill from goddess in the tv did such superb job of covering um how inspirational craft work had been an influential to a number of artists. I wanted to pick something a little bit different, probably not unexpected, um, but but a song that's certainly very close to my heart that I absolutely adore, and um, and I've I've personally found incredibly inspirational. I'm going to talk about Donna Summer and I Feel Love. Now, take it you've all heard of that. Wow, yes, I've got it. Yes. <laughs> and I always feel love. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, um, so, yeah, so I'm just going to go straight into this. And, and listeners, you know, you'll be thankful of this because I was going to do um, my top three songs that have changed dance music forever, which would probably um, keep us here till two in the morning. So I'm just, just sticking to the one the one for now but um but it absolutely did change dance music i mean it's it's uh, so just to explain the song which i'm sure majority if not everyone that's listening to this show has has heard has heard that song it's it kind of it's sort of swoops in as a sort of with these sort of synthesized rhythm tracks that phase in and out it's got this beautiful pulsating bass line that sort of drives the song along and then, you know, you enter Donna Summer's um, sensual sort of hypnotic vocals and you're kind of submerged in this electronic heaven is how I would kind of describe it. And a, a quote from Sound on Sound, actually, um, online, and I'll post a link to this. Um, I, I think this just sums it up. The pioneering electronica of I Feel Love didn't just revolutionise disco, it changed dance music forever. And it, it absolutely did. Now, I'll, I'll go on to talk a little bit more about that. Um, so the song was, of course, performed by Donna Summer, who co-wrote it. And I never knew that she actually co-wrote it. I thought she was just the, the voice that was brought into it. I didn't know that she was part of the writing force with it. And it was with producers... Giorgiano Maroda, sorry, I'm so terrible at pronouncing things, and Pete Bellot. And it was heavily influenced by sort of Craftworks Trans Europe Express, um, which I'm not going to talk loads about because we've already covered that. Um, but but these songs were the, the sounds that kind of opened the gateway to sort of house and techno later 
down the line. Um, so I Feel Love was recorded for Donna Summer's fifth studio album, studio album, which was I Remember Yesterday, and that came out in 1977. And the album was a kind of concept album with each track that kind of was supposed to evoke or represent a different um, musical decade. And I'm not sure if you've listened to that album, but I went back and listened to it today. And, you know, there there is this kind of 50s, 60s, 70s and even probably earlier than that kind of influences that all kind of weave in it really is quite clever um and it made me appreciate perhaps some of the songs that I wasn't a huge fan of, of of Donna Summers from previously but then when you get the context of it it's like oh now I understand that so yeah so it's, it's a great album so please do check that out um so I suppose you could say from that album that um, I Feel Love was kind of aimed at sort of creating a sort of futuristic mood, um, employing the sort of Moog synth synthesizer in there that was that was starting to become popular. And, and actually, did you know that that song was originally planned as a B-side? Actually, was released as a B-side rather than a single. What? Really? I had no idea. It was it was the B-side of Can't We Just Sit Down and Talk It Over. I'm shocked. I mean, for me, that's the kind of standout track on that album. <laughs> it is the album, isn't it? I mean, it's like... <laughs> when you listen to those songs and you take it back to to disco and and the time, you can kind of see that that would have been the more safe bet because what was happening with I Feel Love was actually really quite different and daring for the time. I guess if it's like being seen as being quite progressive and you're the record company and it's like your kind of star sort of thing, it's like, no, let her shine where she's safe and secure and we know we can like rinse the money from her, basically, <laughs> rather than push it forward a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, ex exactly. I mean, that's that's just us speculating. But uh, I, I would imagine that that was, that was kind of the, the case. But the song was recorded on 16-track tape recorder. Um... And as the Moog went out of tune quickly, it had to be recorded in bursts in like sort of 20 or 30 seconds before Whoa. being kind of retuned. Can you imagine that? Wow. The stress, God, what that crazy That just thing. sounds painful. Yeah. Do you know how um, long it took to record? Um, No, I should have should have looked that up. But I would say probably a fuckload of time, seeing <laughs> if it's every 20 to 30 seconds. And if you make a mistake during that, can you imagine the glare from the producer? Look. I mean, Just as in, my God, be, seriously, you've played it wrong again. <laughs> I think to that be fair, be, uh, a, a fuckload of time is a valid answer. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. accept that one. Poetic. Thank, thank you, thank you. I'm glad you appreciate my um, limited vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the hi-hat was, uh, so yeah, to create the hi-hat sound, the team took white noise generated by the Moog and processed it with an envelope um, and for those that don't know about recording, we don't mean like an actual envelope that you post. And I'm not going to go into the details of this. Look it up. Google it. Um, as the Moog could not create a sort of satisfactory kick drum sound, the kick was actually played by a real drummer on a real drum kit. It was a session drummer um, called Keith Falsey. Um, so aside from Donna Summer's vocals and the kick drum, every element of the song um, was was actually played by a machine, which which was very rare at, at that that time. Certainly in pop music and certainly in disco, 
Um, so, you know, as I say, like unusually for a track that was a disco track of that that era, you would you would have perhaps some digital element that might have kicked in or some processing with it. But this was actually the first single based entirely on two synthesized backing tracks, essentially. Wow. So it really was um, a first uh, for its for its time. And, you know, I I suppose it's important to reflect on the Moog as well and, and say, obviously, they weren't the first people to use it and it didn't just spring out of nowhere. It had been used before. And uh, from a previous episode, we talked about um, Grace did like a sterling job of covering Wendy Carlos, who created Switched on Bark in 1968 as the first popular album to incorporate synthesizers, which had been confined to use in experimental artists until that point. So the record saw Carlos perform various pieces using sort of Moog modulator synthesizer showing the potential of the machine for music making essentially and popular music making so if you if you can imagine that if that hadn't happened would this song have happened because that that equipment was really not readily available at that time and a lot of I mean even the producers in interviews um cite Wendy Carlos as as being quite influential and to them, same, same with Kraftwerk. So um, so hats off to Wendy Carlos. Anyway, the song inspired loads of artists as well, such as David Bowie, Brian Eno, Human League, Blondie, to name but a few from, from around the time. Um, and in fact, according to singer David Bowie, who was then recording his Berlin trilogy at the time with his collaborator Brian Eno, um, he said that Brian came running in to the studio and said, "I've heard the sound of the future," and this this is what this is what people actually thought wow. of of that song that it was just this most incredible. It was catchy, it was poppy, it it had all these noises and sounds that that people just didn't quite understand how that was even created, to the point that even I suppose you could say that Donna Summer's vocals on it are almost not like a a lead. I mean, they are a lead vocal, but it's almost just like this beautiful instrument, which obviously a voice is, that kind of just that synthesizes itself over it. It just sort of flows and, you know, it, oh, beautiful. Love, love, love that song. So it's gone on to inspire a number of performers in a whole range of genres to this day. It still sounds fresh, I think. I still hear it pretty much every single week on Six Music. Um, it's it's like a go-to track for them. Uh, and, I mean, it came out 43 years ago. And I think it could have come out yesterday and still sound, you know, you wouldn't think it sounded old school at all. But um, I have some disco-related quiz questions for you. Ooh. Not too many. Not too many. Actually, I think I've got two and then and then a couple of... No, I've got three, actually, and only two of them are disco-related. <laughs> And then I've got like a probably what's a boring fact, but um, but you know I I did I did do my kind of love to go to search thing of um fun facts about disco, and there just weren't that many, which I think come on, fun Disco's facts. Fun. Fun. Everyone's too busy it's dancing. Fun. Exactly, exactly. So okay, which disco artist served four months in jail at the age of seventeen for stealing thirty thousand dollars worth of tires? 
It wasn't Donna Summer. I was just going to say, just I'll rule out say. Donna Summer <laughs> because why would you steal $30,000 worth of tyres if you could sing like that? Um, why would anyone? <laughs> where do you put them? And how do you get them away? Yeah, how do you even steal that many tyres? Um, shall I just tell you the answer? I'm stumped, yeah. Probably best. <laughs> Let's get it on. It was Barry White. <laughs> wow. He was he was really naughty um, back in the day. Wow. And then he cleaned up his act before he sort of went into music. Um, and then he also became a devout Christian to the point. He was invited onto um, South Park to do a voiceover, but turned it down because it, you know, because of his Christian values and just felt that that was, yeah, not not a good thing for him to do. Unexpected tales of Barry White. Well, exactly, yeah. I actually, I actually want to do his story now because I just thought he was like the let's get it on master. Do you know what I mean? Because I did, I did, I did read dying, a fact about guys. he was responsible for many, many pregnancies, and it, I had to read this thing over. And it was like him personally <laughs> impregnating people, or just that it was his music and people were getting it. Or, I don't know. So I, I think I need to do um, a podcast episode about um, about music. You get it on to. <laughs> Or not. Okay. I'm a massive fan of the disco ball, as we all know. But do you know how old the disco ball really is? When do you think that became a thing? I'm going to go 1910s. I was going to go a little earlier, 1890. I don't know why. You're both wrong. But I was surprised that you picked something as early that. It was um, it was first widely used in nightclubs from the 1920s. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Half a point each. This is a really boring question, but I thought it was quite interesting. Um, the world population... <laughs> Selling in... it to us now. <laughs> Actually, I was just going to tell you the answer. What was the world's population in 1970? Seven, even. Have a guess. Nine billion. Nine billion. No. Terry? I was going to go for seven. I'm, I'm sticking close. <laughs> okay, well, it was... It was 3.6 billion in 1977, and today it's 7.8 billion. Oh, I was too modern then. (laughs) You were too modern. (laughs) And she's very futuristic. (laughs) I'm futuristic. (laughs) Okay, so final fact. 1977 was not only pioneering for music, but also for film. Uh, The original Star Wars movie premiered on May 25th, 1977, the exact same month as Donna Summer's single um, that came out on the 1st of May. Did you know that? That was well, a legendary month. Now, anyway. Wow. It was a legendary month because I think, as I said, it was originally released as a B-side and then they quickly realised, oh, um, we made a little bit of a mistake with that because the can't we just sit down and, and talk it over uh, rose to like, kind of the top 20 position in the US R&B chart um, but it was like the two months later so in the May of that year that they sort of flipped the, the sides and decided to have I Feel Love the reason I'm going to say the reason why I keep pausing before I say I Feel Love is because Bug I have a song called Is This Love which was inspired <laughs> by I Feel Love and I just keep confusing the two so I have to um, pause before I say it but anyway so they did re-release it 
with I Feel Love as the lead single, and it was number one in Australia, Austria, Belgium, and the Netherlands, and the United Kingdom. Gosh. And that ends my little uh, glimpse into I Feel Love, Is This Love? It's iconic, though. I um, picked up a copy a couple of years ago at a car boot sale in France. I was so excited to actually have the vinyl in my hands. It was amazing. Was it one of those moments where you were like, I don't want to seem too excited and they start <laughs> overcharging me here? Yeah. <laughs> right, OK. I have some new music that is nothing like Donna Summer. It's uh, nothing like kind of the... the there, is, there is a synth in there. There is a bit of keyboard. But... Uh, it's it's not it's not a dance track. I should have found that dance track, but I didn't, because this song just recently came out. It's called "Where the Fire Used to Be" by Tiger Mimic, who I absolutely adore, and I think this song um, is is quite incredible for a number of reasons. But I will let you listen to it first of all, and then we'll have a chat. <laughs> From our grasp, however hard we hold The roses and the summer wind The stories we once told
So that was Tiger Mimic with Where the Fire Used to Be. I've, I've played Tiger Mimic before as as well on the show. I played their, their previous single, um, It Was Still Dark. And I just, I love Brahm, who's the guitarist. Um, his his guitar playing, I think, is is great. And I've been privy to some other material that's not been released yet. And I can just say that their singles get better and better. So they're definitely, definitely ones to watch. I think it's a great track. And when I heard that they'd recorded it, I thought they had quite a job on their hands. So I've seen them do it live. And I think the way that that's kind of translated onto a record, they've done an amazing job with it. And I know we're talking about the music at the moment, but not to mention their video. That is absolutely banging. Like, to have it's done brilliant. that, did they do that themselves? They did They did themselves and they did it very, very quickly as and to well. And they've done it in lockdown as well. That's like credit to a lot of graft they've put into that. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, what, what some people won't know is I, I manage Tiger Mimic. So, um, of course, I'm going to love their stuff. But um, no, but I don't. But, and um, I do. <laughs> No, but but that that video is just. I, I think it's. I just I just thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it starts off with this kind of detective mm. agency film noir kind of feel. Well, the whole thing is, um, and I, I I suppose what I really like about it is they didn't just during lockdown go for. Um, although to be honest, this is they've been able to meet up to do this. But I like videos when you don't always do the obvious thing with it, and I don't think they did with this so I, I think, think that's representative of the track as well they don't always do the obvious thing within the track yeah. to be fair it's very epic so, the track it's it's quite cinematic even before you get to the yeah. video and it's like it's got different or, or like a play or an opera it's got different acts and you know all within yeah. one song it's, it's quite spectacular i can't remember who said it it might have been either kathy st loose from the zine or it may have been um getting her ears or it could have been someone completely different someone said they've got this sort of almost like moulin rouge feel to them as a band it's that kind of like dark theatrical nature to to what they do they don't sound like sound like obviously like show tunes but um but that that kind of dark beautiful lushness i suppose of uh yeah that's a really good description yeah Terry, you've you've brought more music along, but we'd like to hear some of some of your your stuff. Should we should we have a listen to Kiss Kiss? Go on. Oh, 
So that was Kiss Kiss by Cat5. Terry, who is our guest on the show. That is a marvellous, marvellous track. There I go again with my deep insights into into music. But it's, it's kind of really liked the sort of sweet electric, obviously electric kind of sounds. Um, kind of, I don't know, I was getting a hint of like Lady Tron in there maybe. It was fun to go Probably super not. synth pop with it actually. Yes, I wasn't, I wasn't sort of trying to, I didn't have a particular artist in mind in terms of reference, but I just thought right, this is all out synth pop positivity because um, it's it's sort of part of a whole project. There's a a couple of great artists, Granfaloon and Lobelia, set up a positive songs project, and the idea was to get people writing positive songs during lockdown. And the the aim is to do one a week, but I can't do one a week. I, mean, I could write one a week, but I can't write and produce one a week. Um, and it's very strange going over to the the light side when you're more used <laughs> to the dark sides. You know, normally it's like you know. Uh, space goth and politics is the, the kind of words that get yeah. bandied, bandied about and uh, so to actually consciously be writing positive songs you go okay um, 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 you know where do we start but but the idea behind it was um, you know we will well I think most people love kisses but you can't always get your kisses but sometimes you feel kisses in other ways like when you're kissed by the sun and that's a kind of kiss and so the idea yeah. was there's lots of different kinds of kiss and I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was your intention, but for me, like, I got a really sort of like a very sort of summery, innocence, kind of childlike sort of vibe from the song. And I hate the word vibe, but that was the sort of feelings that I got from it. That it was all sort of very innocent and playful, and really quite sweet and nice. And now you've talked about the positive songs project. That kind of makes sense. That you're trying to write in a different way. That's not. I'm not saying that the music that you write is necessarily doom and gloom, but you're being you're trying to be very proactive in projecting like a positivity it's incredibly difficult to write nice happy songs i really do think it is it is a difficult thing to do without sounding really cheesy and i don't think this sounds cheesy no at all. no don't don't I think tell this me wrong makes i don't think smile. it sounds cheesy. this this makes this makes me smile a lot this song um and it make it makes me feel good it's yeah and and that's the that's the point of it. It's, oh, yeah, that's nice I, to hear. But it is a it's a difficult thing because if you think about it, most songs are written out of drama. You know, whether it's um, yeah, you know, a breakup or a you know some mm-hmm. big thing going on. So yeah, do you find that process quite hard as a musician? What writing positive songs? Positive, yeah. Um, well, I can't I can't give you a sob story and say it's terribly hard because I have written a whole bunch of songs that are positive but a lot of them are about taking something negative and turning it into a positive um but yes because I generally positive things don't inspire me you know my do you think it's is it something that gets easier once you get into the flow of doing it do you think you kind of start you start working in a style that leads you down towards the darker stuff and once you start writing about lighter stuff it changes or do you think it just is what it is <laughs> I think it does get slightly easier because you you kind of you relax about this bit more mm-hmm. and can, you're not going how can I actively avoid things being horribly cheesy and because uh, it's quite funny because the first one I did had some bird song in it uh, which I recorded um, out the back some blackbirds and it was a song called Blackbird and so I was like really proud of it and I sort of submitted it as my first one and then uh, and then someone said 
yeah, there's a lot of songs with bird song in this week. And I just thought, oh, no, everyone's just doing exactly the same, thinking what's positive. Oh, bird. But anyway, it was quite fun. But did they have your blackbird? No, they did not. Well, I wouldn't tell. I'm not, I'm not quite the expert on bird song, if it's the same blackbird. But anyway. Well, I, I think it's a great a great track. And is are these are these songs that um, before we go into Paula's story, is this available online? Like, where can people hear your your music? What are all your social handles? Okay, and your phone number and your address. And... <laughs> How long you got? Um, so this uh, these positive songs are on an EP in progress called Switch, and it's on Bandcamp and SoundCloud at the moment. I'm I'm not sure I'll actually put it anywhere else I'm quite happy at the moment with Bandcamp how everything's going there and um there's a there's at least one more track to go on the EP as well but some people already purchased it and then they get the you know rest of the tracks as they arrive and uh so I'm at cat underscore five on Twitter and my band is at feral five because this is all in the context of there's also feral five stuff going on we're working on our album um and Instagram is cat5 and then an underscore. So I got there a bit late, so I had to do all the lines. And it's cat with a K on Bandcamp as well. And then spelt out five. Sometimes people write the number. But yeah, so easy to find. Yeah. We'll pop the links underneath anyway, don't worry. Exactly, we'll put them in the show notes. So that's, that's fine. So Paula, you're going to talk about what today? The 808. You've got 808 facts about the 808. No. I have eight facts about the 808 and they are very <laughs> loosely termed facts. Some are just things that we know, some are a little story and some are a little bit... Mm, feel free to step in if I'm misleading the public. So let's kick off. Um, the 808 was released by Roland in 1980 in competition to the Lynn LM1, um, which was a drum machine that actually sampled real like drum sounds. But the 808 came along and... Initially, it was a little bit poo-pooed because the sounds were nothing like a realistic drum kit. It was described as having maracas that sounded like marching ants and a, ca- <laughs> and a cowbell with corroded chime. But these are things that kind of like sort of ended up making the 808. But we'll come to that in a bit. Um, the first live performance was credited by a Japanese, to a Japanese group called Yellow Magic Orchestra. But there were two tracks that really sort of put the 808 on the table as like this is a serious piece of kit that people want to be taking notice of one of them was a track called planet rock by africa bambata mm-hmm. um he's been dubbed as like the godfather of hip-hop the originator of breakbeat and like many other accolades there's a whole other yeah. kind of i guess slightly sinister downfall to what happened with him but we won't go into that into depth in this podcast and uh also marvin gay who kind of moved away from Motown was like had it he'd had it with working with people didn't want to work with musicians bands stumbled upon this 808 it was like wow I don't need them (laughs) and (laughs) I've got a corroded cowbell and marching ants (laughs) I had no No, idea I think to be honest with him it was more about the control element of it like he just wanted to be able to control his music himself and I don't know I didn't go too much into the depth of why that was, but that's the kind of facts I understand it. So he went into the studio, had the 808 all programmed up, said to the producer at the time, you can do whatever you want, but no one touches that, that 808. So he recorded he recorded Sexual Healing, on it went to become an absolutely massive hit. And this 808 sat in the studio for years and years and years until, I think it was, it's Soul Wax. I have to think back now. Yeah, definitely, it was Soul Wax. 
They were in Belgium looking to buy an 808. Someone at the studio was like, yeah, yeah, we've got one for sale. Charged them 808 euros, which I think is cool enough in itself, to purchase this drum machine. And they were like, yeah, we think it might have had, you know, sexual healing recorded on it, but no one's ever really oh been sure. They took it away, plugged it in from the presets. They were like, holy mother of God. And they'd bought that for 808 euros. That's just outrageous. It's extraordinary. But the um, I've been in the studio a while ago. I was working on a documentary series about rock stars' families, and we interviewed his ex-wife and the the legend Marvin Gaye. Yeah, and uh, uh, and so there's this you know it's it's got such a vibe. It's like saturated with atmosphere. Mm. And then upstairs, there's like a, a sort of window and a and there's a double bed. And she said, you know. They used to have a very enjoyable time in the studio. You know, he'd record and then come up and relax. And uh, yeah, there's lots of lots of interesting stories. I think Marvin Gaye might be a great person to cover, but that's like serious research. <laughs> oh no, I've I've already read his um the yeah the the biography Troubled Man, which is quite good. So have a, have a read of of that. It's good. It's a good book. Should we go back to the 808? Yes, sorry. Yes, carry on. Okay, so, so I think <laughs> that may have incorporated track facts one, two, three, and I'm going to say four as well, just to give myself a little bit of breathing space. So on to uh, fact five. The Beastie sorry, Boys. Sorry, on to what? Sorry, Paula? Fact five, everyone, now. We've had one, two, three, okay. and four in there somewhere. This is fact five. So the Beastie Boys sued an American airline. I couldn't find any details on exactly who and exactly for what track, but they'd used one of their tracks in a commercial without licence. So they'd sued this airline, they had some cash, they were going to go and buy some guitars. They walked into a guitar shop, saw someone demo- doing an 808, or like, we need one of those. Bought it, they took it back and they started really working quite in depth with it. I think it was Paul Revere, they took the drum loops from the 808 and played them backwards. So you got these really kind of big like, sounds when they're going, kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that... That drum machine just stayed in their studio. A number of other artists came in and started using it. So Beastie Boys 808 had, was used by LL Cool J, Run DMC and all of their own songs, which I think like, wow. That's incredible. How cool is that? Like you buy a drum machine, leave it in a studio and say to your mates, yeah, come round, write your records on it. Change history. <laughs> you know what I think you should have done? I think you should have um, made this the story that um, so... Basically, the same 808 kept doing its rounds around charity shops and people kept rediscovering. Do you remember what happened to the last podcast we did when I thought I had a fact for a story and I did the research and it wasn't true? (laughs) (laughs) And I had to go with it anyway. Honestly, I think, think, like, yeah, the the kind of, the the, the kind of um, ghostly 808 machine that kind of just magically appears... And there's one of those like children's toy boxes playing in the background when people walk into a shop and see it. Ding, 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 ding. <gasps> 808, I must have it. But also there's... But that's... Sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead, Terry, go. The, the Paul Revere sounds, they're engraved on my brain. They were just so... <laughs> they're mad. Extraordinary and, and sort of different. And I had no idea it was... Yeah. But they were like looping them, playing the backwards, playing on the top of each other. And they they weren't the first people to do it. But I think they may actually have tuned some of the drums for that as well. Because people got right deep into this drum machine. They started like tuning the drums correctly, incorrectly to different keys. Like this drum machine is amazing. 
I need one. I didn't realise this until now, but I need one. <laughs> and to my next pet tangent, it can't be the same one because 12,000 were made in only three years. <laughs> um, but only one survived. <laughs> no. And the real reason, the reason why they stopped making them wasn't because they weren't popular or they weren't selling. I mean, they were, they were starting to build up sales by the time they stopped producing them, but they were made from defective transistor parts that as technology got better... They couldn't source them anymore, which made them too expensive to make. And the point of the 808 was it was a cheaper version of a drum machine that was accessible to normal people. So it wasn't like through lack of sales or anything like that. It was just that they couldn't find the defective parts that were cheaper than the good parts. Which then ultimately made it like a, a kind of fucking brilliant piece yeah. of kit anyway. Yeah, no, but it was, totally it was the defective unique. parts that gave it that yeah. sound. If they were using ones that worked as they should, it probably would sound like completely different like every other drum machine and wouldn't have made it so special i'm glad i came on this podcast i've learned so much already people are so polite when they come on the show. <laughs> oh my god when's it gonna end <laughs> i mean like no but the 808 is still relevant today i mean goldie just describes it as defining his his music childhood influence education whatever you want to call it saying that if you go down the route of an 808 you're completely committed i mean he made tracks that they turned the bass up so high that when they went to press them, the actual records were just splitting and they couldn't figure out why. And they had to get some kind of analytic mm. machine that was saying that told them it's because the bass was so big that was coming out of the 808 that they just couldn't physically press that onto a record without it splitting in two. I mean, what kind of That's what kind bonkers. of machine can do that? <laughs> Madness. I mean, Kanye West, Kanye West wrote an album called 808s and Heartbreak, where every track features the 808. So it's still like it's super relevant today. I mean. DJ Mag described it as probably the most used drum machine in the last 40 years. And I think, mm. to be fair, when you look at the influence that it's had from hip-hop, drum and bass, R&B, even into pop today, like, what's that song? Yeah, yeah, Usher. That's, that, that big boom in that song is an 808. Like, it's still everywhere today. And I don't think modern music, on the whole, would be where it is without it. I think it's got a very distinctively recognisable sound, and I think it's something that's still really relevant to what's going on today. No, 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 I, I, I completely agree. I think it was a friend of ours, Robin, um, did a kind of ode to the 808. It was 40 um, recently. Yeah, oh, right, of course it was, of course it was. Yeah, so that's that's why I've been seeing so many posts about it. But, uh, yeah, no, good job, good job. I, I quickly tried to Google some some facts to chime in with, and I don't know if this site is just, it's probably like robbing me of all of my uh, personal data right now. I've never heard of it before. But apologies if it's a great site that everyone reads and I've just discovered it. Bestlifeonline.com, right? And they've got 40 facts about music that really sing. Um, I'm not going to read them all out. But the first one... Um, which, you know, I think from a positive title to start off with this one, is, is, you know, it's a bit misleading, isn't it? Um, musicians have shorter lifespans than the general population. And uh, apparently there was a study at the University of Sydney uh, where someone said from a study that was called Stairway to Hell, <laughs> Life and Death in the Pop Music. So this is cheery, isn't it? Um, Blacklist, that one. Yeah. Anyway, I, I think that's a load of shit really i mean what you're basing it on um in 2016 mozart had sold more cds than beyonce i don't believe that either 
Um, I think this is all lies. I think this could be a site that we created, Paula. Although there's some positive things here. Singing in a group boosts your mood. Definitely. Yeah, facts, not fiction. Um, and then some people feel nothing when they listen to music. Who are these strange creatures? Well, which I just thought, really? Um, but a study at the University of Barcelona discovered that 5% of participants, or probably only 10 people, I don't know, um, 5% of participants didn't have any emotional reaction to listening to music. That's actually scary. And they all went on to be serial killers. I was just going to um, say, they're all psychopaths. <laughs> apologies if that's you out there, um, but you're probably a serial killer in the making, you just don't know it yet. Um yeah, there's just a lot of really uninteresting facts on here. To to be to be honest, I wish I hadn't hadn't got got on this this journey. So I think let's um, let's jump off while we can. And uh, should we should we listen to some more some more music by Cat Five? Um, I I'd like you to to play us perfect. Okay, I'll press this enormous play button that's made out of a giant disco ball. Give me a reel every time. I don't have perfect skin, perfect smile. I'm not a size 10. I've got my own style. Perfect is suspect. Suspect. Reality is priceless. I know I'm your kind of perfect, imperfect kind of perfect, lived in kind of perfect, love life kind of perfect. Like my food kind of perfect, keep me warm kind of perfect, take my shoes off kind of perfect. Tussled hair kind of perfect. Perfect is suspect. Perfect is suspect. Perfect is suspect. Perfect is suspect.
kind of perfect, my kind of perfect is perfect. No one else is kind of perfect. No rules, no rules, no So that was perfect by Cat Five, and I think it was pretty perfect. I'm so cheesy. You're so cheesy. <laughs> I'm happy to happy to uh, <laughs> to take that. It's it's God seriously. Um, your writing skills are incredible. I like all the sort of vocal layers that you've put you've put in in that, that song. And there's also something kind of a bit reggae in there, which reminded me of a slight sort of hint of Massive Attack from their Protection album. Um, Interesting. That's yeah. that's as that's as good as my descriptions <laughs> can ever go on music. In short, I really liked it. I think it's great. And uh, yeah, like how do you come up with how? And I suppose this is quite a difficult question. Or I certainly would always find this 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 question difficult. But with a song like that. How how did that start? Like, where do you even begin to put that that together? Uh, well, my songs start in different ways, but a lot of the time it starts with the words, like a word, a play on words. And and I was thinking, perfect, perfect. And as part of it goes, pat, perfect. You know, who's perfect? Only people I don't like are perfect, pat. You know, so um, so it's like it's just literally started with two words, perfect, suspect. And then I was just thinking about it and thinking about you know, imagery online and, and airbrushing and all that kind of stuff and the, how fake it all is. And and I think also, you know, during the pandemic, your your mind focuses slightly on purer things a bit more. So I'm still buying lots of makeup, but let's put that to one side for now. <laughs> um, and, you know, so it's also about celebrating, you know, what's real and then sort of woven into it a little bit. This is all the kind of story side of it, quite apart from music. Uh, it was also about being you know accepted for who you are and how kind of precious that is so that's the kind of positive bit and and again it was a chance to experiment and uh i've done spoken word in german on a feral five track called ego which is sort of disco nightclub-y kind of vibe but it was the first time i'd done great song <laughs> paul tipler um mixed that one he did a fantastic job yes yes no i, rem I remember him telling me about that, about that. Yeah, so yeah great to work, work with him on that but yeah it was it was a bit of an experiment like i thought does this work i don't know am i just being completely mad but i just went for it and um yeah it's got so it's got lots of different elements in but i think it kind of kind of gels just about yeah no it does it does I think for me, like one of the most interesting things about that track is the difference between like the verse and the chorus and the spoken word and then the big sort of vocals that come in. I think it's really, really interesting. And I really, I like the music underneath it. Please don't take this the wrong way. And I say it's a little bit almost sort of jangly, jarry, shimmery with a like, thin sort of guitar. And it's like, 
that with a spoken word is like almost balanced but then this big sort of chorus comes in and it's really like whoa where did that come from and I think like for me I find that really interesting it was very interesting from a sort of production perspective as well mm. trying to you know get the space but then yes have to have the big stuff because I mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well that's that's what I mean so did you just start off with like one vocal line and one instrument like did you so you you've written the, the vocals um first like when you kind of try to put something like that together is it all of the music and then the vocals come in or is it like a little bit of vocals a little bit of music and building layers from there like how do you construct musically um i kind of do it a bit like painting although i'm sure other people do it in a very different way possibly possibly a more methodical way but so i had sort of the words and then i sort of got some you know beats start working with some beats and that feeds off in a different direction so so it's like kind of building and and layering um yeah no it's 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 it's, it's great because so I, I was gonna say like if that like if you were just lying in bed one night and all of that just came into your your mind you're like some sort of crazy genius <laughs> with, <laughs> with all of this kind of stuff going on um no it's, it's a fantastic track so thank you so much for for bringing that for bringing that along. Thanks. I have to, um, I have to so give a shout out here to Katie Tavini who who mastered it. She's mastered all my solo tracks, and she just is a is a complete artist. She's a she was nominated for uh, mastering engineer of the year, and she's you know, wonderful. I can't say enough good things about her. Um. So before before we do end off on the final track, I suppose what's well, there's loads of stuff next for you by the sounds of it. But what what are your kind of, I suppose, top three things that you're going to be focusing on before the end of this fabulous year? I mean, what a what a bloody gem this Whoa, one's been! What right? a crazy! Yeah, I think we've, I think all of us have had um, heartbreak and terror, and hopefully some joy as well. Um, so yeah, doing this, um, doing my next track switch for the EP. Um, I've got lots of other things down the back of the sofa as well track wise aren't aren't positive songs project songs and then we're still working on the the feral five album so that's written but we've got to produce and mix and we haven't really been able to get together so it's all been a bit slowed down but sometimes you go back to something with a new sense of perspective and yeah absolutely i think actually you know it's been frustrating not to be in the same room for so long but actually we've got some new ideas and and so on and what else am i doing oh and um yeah i still want to do more work on my production and um there's a wonderful group called i think you'll appreciate called two percent rising and it was founded by katie tavini and the artist rooks to be a, a sort of meeting place for women in production across the world actually and it's a fantastic environment uh, very supportive and um, mm-hmm. they have some sort of weekly meetups to hear each other's tracks or just have social so mm-hmm. um, I've been enjoying being part of that and if anyone's interested in that kind of thing then they should definitely seek it out on Facebook and also there's a there's been so many new courses for female producers and artists there's there's a whole raft of great people out there there's um saffron there's music production for women there's equalize there's home recording academy and so sometimes people can be um kind of a bit 
scared of production or music tech and all these wonderful pioneering women are, are making things much more easy and approachable on that front. Yeah, I've, I've joined a few a few groups recently that, that is all about sort of collaboration, sharing and education mm. and um, and things like this, which is which is so great, right? Because a lot of these like official courses are so expensive. Yeah. And when I say time consuming, it's like they demand you to be there, you know, part time, which is a few days a week. And if you're working, that's not possible. And the costs juggle. of them, but it's like exactly. And so I think I think there's just a lot more resources now that make it a bit more accessible because we can all buy software and we can all be playing around with it and using YouTube videos but these groups are really really intrinsic to to the growth of, of women in music I think really definitely and also I should say I'll be doing more work um, with Resonate Cooperative uh, I should have said that's where my EP is also available to stream okay cool and can any artist put their stuff on on resonate yes it's um it's kind of open access and we've got loads of self-releasing artists people on labels and um it's uh, the sort of slogan for it is playfair because it's uh, aiming to yeah. it's artist run as well so that makes quite a big difference cool awesome okay, we'll post we'll post a link in the show for that as well so we're coming to the end of the show now so i'll just do our housekeeping stuff so if you've got a story you want us to cover um not necessarily well um but want to see a struggle pick something really random um and see how we get on with it please do email us at bug eyes no not that at all can't even do my own email address um please email us at rockpoprambles at gmail.com or on twitter at bug eye bands and on Facebook as Bug Eye Music, and that's the same for for Instagram. So do do come and say hello to us. We've got a special show coming up um, in the next. I think it's in two weeks. Which actually we're going to start focusing on some of the towns of of where our listeners are based from around the world, and try our hardest to do stories from those from those towns so um yeah listen in your show your show might be featured your town might be featured or your city or your street or send a drone over your garden and film (laughs) you we won't do that um i can't afford a drone and i don't know how to fly one um okay so before i ramble any further i think let's let's end off the show with a wonderful song that we played a few episodes back by cat five it is Butterfly Wings. And uh, Kat, thank you very, very much. Terry, I've jumped around with calling you Kat or Terry. Thank you so much for coming on the show and for sharing loads of great music with us. Seriously, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for the invite. It's been absolutely brilliant to hang out with you. I want to come back every week, but I know that's not quite the right idea. But what are you doing? <laughs> I'll just tune in every you week can. instead. <laughs> I'm sick of the rest of Bug Eye. You know, I need I need new co-hosts. So I was going to put an ad out, but you know. Oh my days, <laughs> my absolute ends. Okay, let's end the show before we go off on another rant on something. So this is Butterfly Wings by Cat Five. Enjoy. Butterfly wings don't break me. Butterfly wings Don't make me 
Butterfly wings.